Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. The Best in the World Podcast with Richard Parr. Hello and welcome to The Best in the World with Richard Parr, episode 11 with Paul Silky Jones, former WBO light middleweight champion of the world. I'll be talking about him in just a moment, but I've got another guest today, my main man, Ollie Walker. Welcome to the podcast, but I've got a crucial first question for you, Ollie. Have you heard of Audible? Well, Richard, you'll be... Very glad to know that I am not just have heard of Audible.com, I am also a customer of Audible.com. Good man. Would you recommend anyone else to be a customer? I find Audible.com to really just hit the sweet spot. I do a lot of listening to audiobooks. Sometimes you don't have all the time to necessarily reading, like if you're driving, if like you and I know we get stuck in the dough-hard traffic fairly often sometimes you can just hit a couple of chapters of your favorite novel what what about in the gym are you are you pumping the iron and listen are you you stretching the muscles of the arms and the mind sometimes you could definitely say that if i'm listening to some of my sporting heroes memoirs sometimes yeah it would give me the extra bit of motivation to kind of yeah, sculpt the gun, so to speak. <laughs> exactly. So what's the, what's the book you've been listening to recently? Myself? I, at the moment, I have been listening to a bit of Stephen King because I've actually started to uh, expand my horizons slightly because I realised I haven't actually listened or even read much of his work in the past and a lot of people have often said to me, that's something that you would enjoy. So I just currently listened to the audiobook version of The Stand by Stephen King. Excellent book. I highly recommend it, especially for your fans of The Walking Dead or something like that. It's kind of post-apocalyptic. Very good book. I thoroughly enjoy it. And where can we get that, Mr. Parr? Well, that, that sounds scary, but you know what? I'm, I'm ready to... To give these listeners a gift. Okay, that sounds great. You know, like maybe they want to listen to that book, and how about they do it at audible.com? And you know what? Why don't I give them a free 30 day trial? That sounds fantastic. A free audiobook download, in fact. Why would they not just snap your hand off for that very opportunity? Well, did you know if they went to audibletrial.com forward slash best? They will get a free audiobook and 30-day free trial. Would you believe that? That sounds absolutely amazing. So that, again, was audibletrial.com slash best. Best. Best in the world. That's why we're here. Paul Silky Jones is on the Best in the World podcast. But this podcast comes in a week where the world has lost David Bowie. Now, that got a lot of media attention from around the world. For me, though... He doesn't come in the top five most influential musical artists of all time. The question is, who does? I had this discussion on my Twitter page, got a few different answers. Ollie, while you're here, why don't you give us your thoughts on the top five most influential musical artists of all time? Obviously, we all loved Bowie. What an absolute legend. The outpouring of grief for him when he sadly passed was unparalleled I think in the recent era I can't think of a celebrity or someone that even transcends celebrity he was a cultural icon that 
when they moved on, how much they meant to people was reflected in the kind of outpouring of grief that happened with Bowie. And I just want to say, yeah, what a legend. But if you don't put him in your top five, where would you put him? Are you saying he's maybe top ten? I wasn't a big fan of his music. I think ah. that's the thing for me. So it, it never really resonated with me. And the movie he was in, Labyrinth, just used to scare me as a kid. <laughs> so I always found him as this creepy character. Yeah, I think my sister was um, quite scared of that one when he yeah, was a child. Yeah, so as well. he, uh, he doesn't reach top five. I think the guaranteed top five bankers, it, well, within the top five, I think you're talking Beatles, I think you're talking Elvis Presley, and I think by the way the world wept when he died, uh, Michael Jackson. I think wow. those three are guaranteed. The other two, I think, are up for grabs. I'm going to put one to you now. I'm going to go with Dr. Dre. Another Dr. one Dre. who's out there at the moment, in the news headlines at the moment, because obviously the biopic of his career didn't get nominated for many Oscars, and he was very upset about that. But can't be that upset. He must be earning a fortune from his Beats headphones. <laughs> he sat at home counting his billions, <laughs> quite probably. But yeah, but um, Dr. Dre in not terms Tupac. Of, no, certainly not too well. That because then you open the kind of the can of whoop ass on that because no one can really have a sentence about Tupac without mentioning Notorious B.I.G. So how do you put? How do you differentiate one from the other? They were so intrinsically linked. Both obviously tragically died very young, in their early 20s even. So who knows if they'd stayed alive, how much more influential they could have been, maybe even to the level of Dr. Dre, where he's reached now. So we've got Dr. Dre in there. So who, who else is in this list for well, you? Well, when you asked me this earlier this week, I was thinking and I wanted to choose someone slightly off the beaten track, someone you were possibly not really expecting. And I've gone for my second choice, Mr. John Williams, who, though not a traditional recording artist, is responsible for some of the most iconic musical themes and scores in movies that anyone ever knows. Let's just listen. You think of Star Wars, he did that. You think of the theme from Jaws, that was him. You think of the Indiana Jones theme. All of these things are what you can say are the most iconic movie themes of all time. And for that reason, I think in terms of influence, I'd put him up there as well. Well, that, that's the thing. I think when it comes to classical music and scores like that, I think you probably need to consider the likes of a Mozart or a Beethoven mm. or a someone like that. Unfortunately, it's not my expertise, so I don't know enough about it. So I've almost got, as a fifth slot, a classical music person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a floating a guest spot. We don't yeah. know who it's going to go to, but number five <laughs> is going to go to someone from the classical music world. I'm sure world. there's someone out there that, yeah, probably knows. And I'm sure I'm now going to get a lot of abuse for uh, not being uh, knowing enough about classical music. And you can do that at Richard underscore par if you need to do that. <laughs> also, yeah, today, speaking of the Oscars, as we were, the he was... to. This week they announced the nominations and John Williams was just nominated for his 50th Oscar, which wow. is quite insane. Okay, we could go on a real tangent here working yeah. out where he keeps them all and stuff, <laughs> but we're, we're going to get to Paul Silky Jones at some point, so let, let's rattle through the, the rest of your list right now. Okay, so we have so we had Dr. Dre, we had John Williams, Giorgio Moroda is someone that I've recently kind of been a bit more exposed to. Again, Probably not going to be on many people's list. Some of you might know him from Daft Punk's album a couple of years ago, Random Access Memories. They did a track that was basically a tribute to him called Giorgio by Moroda. But he was the founder of electronic music. He popularized the synthesizer and the Moog modular. So he was, without him, you wouldn't have EDM. You wouldn't have dance music. You probably wouldn't have even had disco. So really, Calvin Harris has got to thank this guy for the $46 million he earned last year. In one year. Yes, very much so. That's ridiculous. That for, I mean, Calvin Harris probably works very hard. He's got a very 
a very, very popular career. I think he's possibly been in Doha a few times, but... I've seen him in Doha, live in Doha. He turned up late, so I didn't see the whole set. <laughs> I had to go to bed early that Not night. Not surprising, but, yeah. Um, yeah, no, a lot of money. Okay, so moving on. Who else is in this list? Well, see, now I, I was going to... I was tempted to put Jay-Z... But as we I don't think you can have Dre and Jay Z in the same the list. Thing. I'm just thinking I'm not sure you can have both at the same time. So, in terms of something else, and this is probably one for a colleague of ours, I'm going to probably put Oasis in there in terms of influence and repopularizing the British cool guitar band again. Now I had this discussion with that same person and. I think he did put them in the list in the end, but realistically, even Oasis say that uh, they were influenced by the Beatles. So if they were influenced by the Beatles, you know, surely the Beatles would be in there instead of them. That's interesting. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. But then, where do you draw the line? Because if there were surely people that influenced the Beatles before them, and where does it start? We'll go back to your classical music guy again and say there is just one person there. So, final one. Ooh, final one. Interesting. I'm going to go with Madonna. Madonna, yeah. I'll have Madonna in that list as well. Uh, so many names came through uh, on the Twitter. Oh, I'm sending it to Chris Jericho right now. <laughs> one of the most random was Dixie Chicks. Interesting. Uh, yeah, Madonna was on there. Uh, Bob Dylan was on there. Bob Dylan, that's a very good shout, yeah. A legend. Elton John. Again, I have just remembered who I was going to say, and I think we can kind of draw a line under it, because he is, without question, I think, the innovator of modern music, and that is Prince. Prince, uh, or Symbol, or yeah, whatever, or he whatever goes, his name goes by now. I saw Prince... Uh, in his tour when he played his residency in the O2 Arena in I think it was about 2008 I might be wrong it might have been before then but it was the greatest evening entertainment of my life it was so so good you forget how unbelievably talented the Prince is and how good at actual guitar he is he is a just an, a hero and yeah so I think Prince for me yeah, if but- I had to choose one I'd say probably Prince is up there with Bowie for me. But best gig I ever went to was actually The Killers in Dubai. That was okay. unreal. But we can talk about that another day. So we've hit our top five. You know, we'll continue our discussion about the top five online. We're going to leave that on Twitter. Go to at Richard underscore par, or you can chat to Ollie where on Twitter? That's at Ollie J. Walker on Twitter. That's at Ollie J. Walker. O-L-L-I-E-J-W-A-L-K-E-R. I'll click that follow button if I'm not following already. So, coming up on the podcast next, he is a former WBO light middleweight champion of the world, Paul Silky Jones. Really good chat on nutrition, especially energy drinks. Did you see some of the statistics this week, Ollie, about sugar in in canned drinks? Oh, dreadful, I have to say. Uh, You don't need that in your life. A, A study they've done says that later in your life, People who drink a fizzy drink like a Coca-Cola, Pepsi, some drink like that, they will put on 29% more visceral fat than the person who doesn't. That's certainly a lot. Yeah, that is a they, lot. So next, that, next time you're grabbing for that Pepsi with your lunch, then... Stay away. Yeah. Stay away. I admit I'm very bad at that. But Paul Silky Jones, really good on that. And also, Paul Silky Jones, he won the world title in 1995... When did he get his actual belt? 2015. 20 years later. Amazing stuff. So why don't we go and listen to Paul Silky Jones because he is the best in the world. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Paul Silky Jones, welcome to The Best in the World with Richard Parr. First off, where did your nickname Silky come from? Uh, it was um, years ago in the mining villages. I used to box in and out and around the mining villages, and um, I was constantly beating uh, particular clubs' um, opponents. Uh, so um, they called me Slippery, and then it evolved into Silky. 
Well, that's that's interesting. So, what are you up to these days? Well, we're going to talk about your boxing career, but I want to know what what Paul Silky Jones is up to right now these days. Yeah, well, I've got a few projects at the moment, um, and I'm into fighting them and bringing awareness to obesity. So um, that's my main passion at the moment. So, what what are the crucial things people should try and tweak in their lifestyle, be it diet or exercise, to to try and be healthy? Um, I think uh, a bit of both, what you've just mentioned. Um, mainly now, we're, we're looking at dietary um, requirements. Um, they're very important. Um, exercise is really good, but the, the dietary is the main thing. Um, sugar is a killer. Um, and it's something I've given up for the past eight months. Um, and I suggest a lot of refined sugar. I eat natural sugar, but refined sugar is something I've given up. And I suggest a lot of people look at the diet and look at the harms uh, what they they get from the sugar intake. Are there any meals in particular which people don't really realise there's a lot of sugar in, but have anyway, thinking they're healthy? Um, there's a lot of processed. All the processed food is full of sugar. I mean, that needs cutting out. It's no good for you. There's no nutritional side of any um, improvements you can get from that. So that's a major thing is the um, processed foods. Mm. And I guess carbonated drinks is a killer as well. It's a, it's a killer. I mean, we often, you know, take our children and our uh, loved ones to, um, you know, all these um, the high street takeaways and um, fast food chains um, as a treat. But it's not a tree, actually. It's damaging them and setting them up for later on in life to fail, really, on, on that side of things. Now, I, I live in the Middle East, and they're, they're a bit more forward in this culture than they are, say, in England. Now, if you start putting on a little bit of weight... Now, in England, we, we can be a bit too polite, and we don't say, oh, you're getting fat while here. Yeah. They'll, they'll, like, I, I put on a bit of weight a few years ago, which I've now lost, and taxi drivers would say oh Richard do you get fat and I, I thought that's lovely yeah. but actually that did you know it was motivational for me to lose the weight is there a, a line between someone being proud of their size like people will say words like oh but this person's curvy or big boned yeah and wh- wh- where is where is the line between telling someone that they should be proud of their size and then warning them that actually their size is damaging their health um, well, we, we look at America. I mean, it's hey big guy, it's not hey fat guy. Um, in England, we we usually we we get to the point. I think um, in the Middle East, I've just got back from the Middle East, exploring a few, um, uh, looking at the obesity over there um, because it's a, a country of plenty. Um, you seem to have a big problem. Just like you know, uh, we're going even to India now. We're having problems all over the place. Um, but I think, you know, we need to, um, I mean, without being insulted, we need to speak the truth and say the difference between a big guy and a fat guy. A fat is overweight, and um, we need to recognize that it's a big problem. And we're going to have a missing generation very shortly because it's just getting really bad. It's at its, it's, at its worst it's been ever. I mean, in my days, I'm, I'm, I'm in my, coming up to my 50th year now, and in my days, we we were from a, um, a family where, and uh, many families in England, balanced diet. We had a bit of fish this day, a bit of meat that day, you know, maybe a pie later on. We had a very balanced diet. Um, now we we walk down the street. We we, we sometimes have to, and I, and I see the same in um, in Dubai. Sometimes I think I'm in America with all the fast food chain um, outlets. So we really need to take this into consideration and get back to basics. Now, fast food is so available and crucially, it's so cheap. Do you feel that somewhere like in Britain, they should introduce some kind of tax? Um, I, I, we, we spoke about it and I think they should do. Um, it's, a, it's a shocking industry, you know. Um, for years, I was, I was uh, and like many of other people, we were sort of um, under the impression that these these fitness healthy drinks in in the shops were really good, but just full of sugar. There's no goodness in them at all. So I should stay away from your Lucas Aids, your Gatorades, your Powerades. Yeah, I mean, 
you know, the, uh, I've, like I said, I've, I've been on the sugar for seven, eight months and I've had um, just been drinking water. You know, we need to learn to spice foods and drinks up. You know, we, we'd water up a bit of lime and, uh, you know, slice of lemon and stuff like that. And it's really energizing and tasty. And um, it's just like finding, you, you know, uh, just, you know, sorting taste buds out, really, adjusting. Is is a squeeze of lime or a squeeze of lemon enough for a, a top athlete, a top boxer in, in, in a big fight to, to get the energy they need or, or would they need something else? Um, well, I've, I've, had, um, I've had my own line of protein drinks and stuff like that and I wouldn't really um, recommend them at all. That's why I've taken them off the market. No good at all. Um, you know, I, 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 I agree. Sometimes we need a boost of... Um, say multivitamin or you know just something like that but not really all these all the our body produces so many good things really so when we're overloading it with one particular thing it's, it works a reverse way it'll block all sorts of parts of your body you don't want blocking and locking them up with all this protein overloading your system and you wonder sometimes why you know you're having these um body breakdowns where you, you're becoming ill and stuff. It's just an overload. Mm. This is all, all really interesting stuff. Are there any decent websites or any decent books that, that people should really look to to try and get this basic advice? I mean, if, if you speak to me in, say, um, six weeks to two months, um, I would recommend a book I'm working on. Um, it's in its infancy, so I, I won't give too much away, but it is um, like a sugar diary. So I'd watch out for that because I'm going to tell you my experience. Um, as a former athlete, yes, um, I've got the knowledge of looking after myself. But like many athletes, what happens is when you um, retire, you start remembering all the all the sacrifices you made and what you can have now. So going from, oh, okay, I couldn't have that. Now I can have that. I can have this. Um, and before you know it, you see often with athletes, they're bloated. And I, I'm no excuse. I went from um, I went from 11 stone up to 17, 18 stone. So because of uh, partly complacency of retirement, so I had to re-educate myself and um, cut back and make lifestyle choices. I'm now the ambassador of the Heart Research UK, where I do promote a lot of health and fitness lifestyle. Um, and we, we, we like promoting portion control and things like that. So, um, yeah. So what do you know now? What's the biggest thing you know now that you wish you'd known as a fighter 20 years ago? Um, I think it's, um, it's probably... Probably um, portion control, um, uh, you know, things where you really gently, gently, softly, softly, you, you know, it's, it's a lot a lot wiser choices. Um, and if you, if you put, if you live a clean life and put the good stuff into your body, you'll get more out of it. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The Eucalyptus Fiber Upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S.com, code SUPER24. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. We'll just take a break from Paul there. Fascinating chat with him already. While well, I'd just like to remind you about Audible. AudibleTrial.com forward slash best where you can get a 30-day free download. Ollie Walker is still in the house. Hey guys, how's it going? I can't remember what I paid afterwards. I think it's something so minimal. Like It's like £7 a month. Something like that. But you get a free audiobook every month you have the subscription for. And you can cancel that subscription whenever you like. And what's amazing is I'm, I'm really interested in business books right now. And nearly the whole list of books I've got that I want to uh, listen to are around about £22, uh, £23. So I'm saving myself like £15 every month. It's amazing. I find having audiobooks are great if you're doing other things. You can kind of passively consume them. They're good if you're cooking, if you're in the gym, if you've got to do some laundry or something. It's all good. So what you're saying is when you're in the kitchen, you're you're feeding your belly and your mind? Exactly right. Exactly (laughs) right. So what would you say to someone who doesn't have Audible yet? I would say, what are you doing wasting your time... Just, if you enjoy good narratives and you enjoy learning, then I would say, get get audio. It is basically cheaper to do it than not do it. And it's so much easier than reading. You don't even, like, when you're reading, you're kind of looking and you have to switch everything off that's going on around you. While with audiobooks, you're just listening and learning at the same time. Of course, yeah. So especially with this free trial. It's fantastic. So, audibletrial.com forward slash best why the best because it's the best in the world listen and learn and you know what let's listen and learn some more from paul silky jones the best in the world podcast with richard parr it was 1995 you became the world light middleweight champion but you didn't get your belt until last year what happened there um it's not politics i think it's Yes, um, it's it's a case of um, you know when you're not financially putting anything into anybody's pocket, you've got no representation, you've got no voice, and um, really they overlooked me. But they didn't want to admit that they made a mistake because it was quite embarrassing for them. And um, in the end, after a lot of um, campaigning on um, say social networks, I think they were slightly embarrassed, and you know. Out of the blue, they gave me my championship belt 20 years to the month. Oh, wow. So what happened in the fight is you you won the fight. They gave you a belt to kind of hold up and show around. And then they took that belt saying you're going to get another new one when you have your your next fight. But you uh, you you didn't have a defense of that title, right? And that's why they never gave you the belt. 
I mean, yeah, that's in a nutshell. That's basically it. There, I had the champion's belt after the the fight, and um, then his his team came to the change rooms, come over, and which you you know, it's a gentleman's sport, so you obviously give his belt back. And the organisation told me you would receive one at the weigh-in for your defence. I never defended the title, so I never received the belt. Well, I'm glad you finally got it now. And where where do you keep it? Um, it took me 20 years to get it and it's been out of the box once and um, it's under the bed <laughs> oh, it's hiding under the bed it's, it's not proudly on display anywhere no it's not on display as yet we're, we're just looking to move so uh, my partner she um, she's insisting that when we move it's going to be in a case so everyone can see it Oh, fantastic. Yeah, it's certainly something you should be proud of. So when you started out in boxing, well, firstly, how did you get started in boxing and what, what was your goals uh, as, as you went on? Um, it was a combination of um, having five sisters at home and um, being outnumbered by them, looking <laughs> for defence. <laughs> and um, I watched a film called When We Were Kings with Muhammad Ali um, and I decided then and there that I would go and sort um, a boxing gym out, and that's what I did. What What was that first gym like? Were you intimidated when you walked in? I was I was fascinated and um, and impressed when I walked in. Um, and the thing about it is, I went with some childhood friends. Um, There's three of us. When we've gone in, we've we've looked around and we just wanted to be as good as um, all the all the other kids in there. Um, and within two months, three months we were better than the kids. So we took, I mean, they all came with their fathers. Our fathers were working. So, you know, um, and, and it valued the home time. So we went, we basically went down on our own and we, um, we used to have a tough time on the buses going down and, you know, with, with all the older lads on the buses and stuff. So we really, you know, were disciplined and stuck in there and, and, um, loved, loved the game fell in love with it. What age was this, Paul? Um, this was 13 years, 13 years of age. So that, that, that's, some, some would call that a relatively late start. So did you feel it, it came naturally to you? Um, no, that's, that's, quite, that's quite an early start, really, but considering you only start fighting when you're 11, you can't fight before. So oh, okay. So start, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's... Um, something sorry what was what was um just did it did you feel it came naturally to you uh, effectively um, yeah um effectively what i'm leading to is, is do you think something like boxing can be taught to a high level or do you think there are a part of it is genetics part of something you have yeah i think i think um there's in every, in every child coming up there's something what they're good at and it's finding out what it is um for me um, I was taken to one side and told I was a bit of a natural, more than natural than uh, uh, the other guys in in the gym. So, yeah, um, finding out what you're good at, and that was something I took to and was really good at. I mean, don't get me wrong, I had um, uh, my parents paid for me to um, have piano lessons, then I was having guitar lessons. I packed both of them in. They didn't think I was going to stick with anything, really. But that, it's... For me, it's finding as a parent, it's finding out what your child's good at, and 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 there's always something. But it's maybe your weakness if you can't find it as a parent. When you say good at, is it more more the passion, more the love for? It's um, it's that it's all those things you've mentioned: passion and and skill, um, discipline. It's all all these things what come into play. So do you remember getting your first big hit to the face? Um, yeah, I do. I do. I do, really, yeah. Um, and something um, really, as a young age, you, you, you learn to deal with your emotions and how you cover things because, especially in boxing, you have to have a poker face. You can't show your emotions or wear them on your sleeve because you give, you know, you give a strength to your opponent. So, of course, you're from Sheffield, which has produced some fantastic boxers over, over the years, including yourself. And I see that you spent some time at Brendan Ingalls' uh, Winco Bank gym. What, what was the time spent there like? Um, it was, um, you know, it's, it's not everybody 
what um takes to different ways of training. Um I I started off with um at Hillsborough Boys Club um where I believe I got my foundation from and then I was uh yes I did um for for a few years I was down at the the Brendan English gym um and then I moved to Canada and was with a guy called Peter Wiley um for two years and lived and fought in Canada for, had nine fights over there. So, yeah, it was a journey and I passed through a lot of places and um, that was one of the places I passed through. So you ended up in Canada. What, what was that like? It was a, it was a big eye-opener because I'd, um, I'd seen it. You know, when, when you're young, you look at stereotypes and I couldn't get... I saw a fighter called Sean O'Sullivan who was two-time world amateur champion and um, silver medalist in the Olympics. So... He was not a stereotypical boxer. He was a skinny white kid, and I couldn't understand why he was knocking everyone out. It was just, I was fascinated. And um, I figured if I turned up at his gym one day and, and they might teach me the, the, um, what, you know, the, the, the ability, well, teach me the um, way of um, fighting like similar to him. So um, I ended up in Canada found the gym and um, uh, we took to each other the trainer and um, myself and the team and I was there for two years So what was he doing differently to knock out all these people? Some some things you can't teach so but you know it's all a learning curve and um, it was something what he was naturally born with a punching power which you can't teach uh, you know so um but I mean, I got well schooled and um, and picked up a lot from from the way they were training. So it was just um, a mindset as well. How difficult was the adjustment to be going from home to a new country, a new place? And would you recommend it for any other young fighters? Yeah, I often recommend it for other young fighters because it's um, you know it gets you out of your comfort zone and um, it enables you to have to learn to adjust. And which is something you need when when on your journey to whatever um, level you, you intend to fight at. So as you'd be heading towards a fight on, on the day of the fight or the days leading up to the fight, what was your typical routine you would do? And, and did you have like any superstitions? Um, well, never had many superstitions. I don't think I did at all. But what I'd do is I'd be... Um, Seven days before the fight, I would not train. I'm not taper it down and rest because you're not going to get any fitter in the seven days leading up to the fight. But what you can do is you can occur a lot of injuries or you can overtrain. And overtraining is a worse thing because you've actually got, you're very weak, got no power. And because you believe you're super fit, mentally you'll press more in the fight. So it can be dangerous. So yeah, I wouldn't train up until the seven days before um, and sometimes I have my trainers in panic because they didn't understand what I was doing but um, I'd also do four days where I'd go just on proteins and then I'd do the last three days on carbohydrate loading so once you have the carbs it's a boost to your system it's almost like a drug where it makes you um, full of energy and energizes you to be able to when you when you're having your rest to get the best out of it when you fight, um, so that that's what I do like leading up to the fight. Um, on the day of the fight, um, I wouldn't really eat much because I'd really load up after the weigh-in the day before, and what you eat today is for tomorrow. So it'd be no use me eating a lot on the day because obviously it made me feel uncomfortable. But also, it'd be for the day after the fight. So, I'd, like I said, I'd eat the day before and really boost myself with, with what I ate. Mm. All right, so in the ring, are there any fights you recall that you were almost getting given a beating but managed to, to turn the fight around and get a victory? And, and if so, do you remember anything in particular you did to, to get the victory? Yeah, um, well... In a lot of fights, you know, the first round, you get hit and you think, is this it? Am I going to lose? Um, um, you know, you, you question yourself, but you have to overcome that. 
um, especially in the world title fight, um, I looked at my opponent and I thought most of my opponents were short and stocky, where I was tall and lean. So um, and in the first fight, the first round of the world title fight, I get put down. And when I'm down, I think, is this it? Is, are my dreams over? As I stand back up, um, I'm bouncing and shaking out, making sure I feel okay. I'm asking myself, are you okay? Are you hurt? And then I answered to myself, no, I'm not. And then jumped on the fight and um, won a 12-round decision. So the first round didn't go great, but it still didn't take my confidence or my belief away. Um, and then I had 11 more um, rounds after um, and basically dominated and climbed and climbed and, and climbed over my opponent and won. So when you're in the corner in between rounds getting your, your information from the trainer, how, how much is actually going in? Are, are you able to take in what they're saying or are you, is your just head somewhere else? Yeah, if you're having a good fight, you can't hear the crowd. You can't hear, you can hear one or two voices what you train to hear and they're usually your trainers. And in the, in the corner, a lot of the times, I feel as if I'm blowing and I'm exhausted. But then when I watch it back on TV, it looks like I'm hardly breathing. So um, masking and covering up, like I mentioned earlier on, um, and not wearing your heart on your sleeve, it all comes into play because you're, sometimes your your opponent's trainer will look around at your corner and then advise you and tell you, he's blowing, he's blowing, he's tired. So, you know, in the corner, you a percentage of it goes in if you're having a good fight. If you're having a bad fight, none of it sinks in. Now, you mentioned the crowd there. That world title fight, I believe, was in, in Hillsborough in Sheffield, your your hometown. Um, yes. How much does home advantage help and how much did it help that night? Well, it helped, it helped a lot. But to be honest with you, when I walked out into the stadium and um, the, the, the um, noise of the crowd... It was a bit of a shock to me because I'd been used to boxing in everyone's backyard. That um, I wasn't really that used to having a big crowd like that behind me. So it was very unusual. But, I mean, obviously it spurred me on and round after round I had I visualised, say, the championship belt on the table, which I could see. Um, visualised a lot of, them, uh, of the victory line and that spurred me on in a, in a lot of ways. Um, it pushed me each round, I think, right, oh, um, take the points, take the points for this round by looking at the belt on the table beside the ring. So, yeah, there's a lot of things what can spur you on and um, and a lot of things what can put you off. Now, nearly three years before you became champion, um, you were going to quit. What what made you change your mind? Um, I had quit. I'd quit for two years um, and then... But in my heart, I, I had a lot of things I'd not achieved and wanted to achieve. And I made the decision, which looking back was a very mature decision that I didn't want to be in my 40s and telling people I could have done this, I could have done that and have no proof. So for history, um, I came back and within 10 months, I won everything. So... It was, um, it was, uh, it was. Looking back in hindsight, it was a good thing that I did come back. Yeah, amazing. And then in 1999, um, I, I was reading a story earlier that you were considering retiring after a boxer was killed after after one of your cars. Can, can you explain what happened there? Um, there was a, there was a riot after um, one of my fights in Oldham, um, and a fan was killed. Um, uh, so I decided to retire again, and I retired for a year. Um, and still, I was unfulfilled and needed still these things what I wanted to achieve. So I came back, and um, I um, won the WBC International Super Middleweight title. Oh wow! Um, uh, we're going to wrap this up shortly. I, I, I'm just really intrigued with the with the mental side of things. Now, I, I saw you on Twitter talking about the Fury fight and Klitschko fight recently, and there were quite a few yeah. things that Tyson Fury did when he was complaining about the gloves and he was complaining about mm. the ring. 
Is that something which can genuinely be a concern for boxers or is it all just mind games? Well, it's a a concern, but it is also mind games. The the Klitschko um, team that were known for controlling and playing mind games are against all these other opponents. So, say, for instance, they padded the um, the ring out very thickly. So when you're bouncing on it, there's no bounce. It takes it out of your legs. So then the Fury team um, said they weren't going to have it. They weren't going to stand for it. The fight was not going to go on. So they played. It was a counter, sort of a counter um, war against the Klitschko's. So every, everything the Klitschko's put into place to play mind games, Fury came back and demanded that it be changed. So they took they took um, the play away from the Klitschko team. When Tyson Fury got into the ring and um, he was still very confident, I think um, Weldemir well, Klitschko then realized that um, this guy had you know a lot of courage and wasn't going to back down. So mentally it destroyed him. He was scared to throw even a punch. Oh, wow. No, that's... A really great insight. All right, before we go, Paul, I just want to go through your five favorite things. I'm going to quickly name a few different things. It could be a movie, it could be a book, and ask you what's your favorite. If you give me a one-word answer, then out of your five answers, I'm going to pick one to ask you why. Okay? Yeah. So, favorite sport other than boxing? That's a hard one. That's a hard one. Um, I'd say football. Favourite international cuisine? I'd say West Indian. Oh, wow. Uh, TV show? Coronation Street. City? Toronto. Current boxer? Tyson Fury. All right, I think out of all of them there, um, why Tyson Fury? Because um, I've known him since he was 16. Um, I was advising him for uh, a little while. Um, if you look at um, four or five scars, was also part of his um, team. I've been in the ring um, in his corner. So I've known him since he was a boy, and I believed um, that he could achieve what he could achieve, and he's, he's done it. I, told, I was telling people years ago about Prince Nassim, and I was telling people about um, Tyson Fury for the past... 15 years. How long do you think he can hold on to that belt for? I think he can hold on to the belt, uh, all the belts, for as long as he wants to. It's all about what he wants and what motivates him. When he decides to pack in, then think that's it. But up until then, I think he can dominate. But he has to have the will and, and the want. It's all about him. Everyone's talking that it could be Anthony Joshua who one day takes away those belts from him. Do you think that's possible? I think it's possible, but I don't see um, Anthony Joshua taking the belts away from him. I think Anthony Joshua takes over after Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury, for me, is not going to be around for a long time because I don't think he wants to be. Okay, well, we'll have to wait and see. Paul, I've really enjoyed this chat with you. Paul, before we go, could you tell our listeners how they could get in touch with you, say, on social media or to learn more about knocking out obesity and any other thing you'd like to promote before you go? Yeah, well, um, I'm uh, um, on Twitter, um, P. Silky Jones, and also um, I'm on Instagram, Paul Silky Jones. I'm also on Facebook page, Paul Silky Jones. So any any social media, I'll be there and I always interact with um, people on, on, on these social media outlets. Well, Paul, thank, thanks a lot for your time today. Good luck with your move uh, to your new home and, and I hope we get your, your belt proudly on the wall so everyone can see. So, Paul Silky Jones, thanks for being the best in the world. Thank you, Richard. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Thanks a lot there to Paul Silky Jones for being on the podcast, the former WBO light middleweight champion of the world. Fascinating chat with him. Really enjoyed his time. 
Don't forget to follow him on Twitter. Follow his progress with kicking, well, not kicking out, but knocking out obesity. I don't know if I said kicking out earlier, but I meant knocking out because he's a boxer. You see what they've done there. Very clever. Heart Research UK. But thanks for him. He was a really nice guy. Great to have him on the show. And we'll probably have more boxers on the show too. And we've had lots of different people on the Best in the World podcast who you can learn from. So go back on iTunes, go back on Stitcher, go back on richardpart.net and download them. We've got people like Chester Williams from the rugby world. We've got Ben Askren, the MMA fighter. Have you listened to any, Ollie? What have you listened to? I was listening just to the Ben Askren one the other day. It was great. I found it very interesting to listen to him, to hear about his journey and the struggles that he's kind of overcome. And yeah, again, a very worthy member of the Best in the World team. Yep, and we'll have many, many more on the Best in the World with Richard Parr. Let's do a little bit of Plug City right now. Don't forget, if you want to learn more from the Best in the World, go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, go to the website richardparr.net. Follow me on Twitter at Richard underscore Parr. Ollie, where can people learn from you? They can find all of my pearls of wisdom right here from Doha at Twitter. Where I'm at Ollie J Walker. That's O L L I E J W A L K E R. And yeah, just rate and subscribe, everybody. Download, rate, and subscribe. Tell your friends. Tell the people in the street. Maybe you make a new friend that way. Exactly right. It's you're social a- media. Remember, we're yeah. going to be social. You know, you're on the bus, person you're sat next to, give them a little nudge in the side, not not too hard because you don't want to hurt them. Just a little bit and say, what are you listening to? Why don't you listen to the best in the world with Richard Parr? And if they ask what day it comes out, just tell them every Wednesday. But from me, Richard Parr, along with... Ollie J. Walker. Thanks for coming along. We'll be back next Wednesday on The Best in the World. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.